engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello Atlanta, it's Eric Erickson and this is the Evening News on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Real quick, uh, David Clark, state representative up in Gwinnett County, he has been pushing the resolution to oust the speaker. He's not getting a lot of support from state representatives, most of them privately saying they would love to sign it, but publicly saying they're not going to. They're they're scared of the speaker. Uh, one of the things the speaker used to discredit David Clark is to say Clark is running for Congress in the uh, Rob Woodall district, and that's why he's doing this, to make a name for himself. David Clark had a press conference today, said he's going to stay and fight in the state house. Uh, he wants to clean up the state house. He thinks that uh, they are headed for annihilation in 2020 in the suburbs. If they don't clean up, he wants to help that. He's not running for Congress. Good for him for calling the Speaker's bluff on this. Uh, I still think you need to call and call again and demand that they do something. Uh, you can text Speaker to 345-345 to keep the pressure up on the Speaker of the House. Uh, people need to do this. You need to keep calling your members of the State House. Now, you're going to need to call some members of the State Senate as well. We will name and shame here in a little bit some members of the State Senate who have completely betrayed uh, Republican voters, conservatives, school choice advocates, moms, and people who have disabled kids. Really shocking that Republicans uh, basically threw the kids with disabilities under the bus today. I've got the names. I'll tell you who they are before. Before we get to any of that, we need to deal with the anti-Semitism stuff in the House Representatives resolution coming up to condemn anti-Semitism. The Democrats do not want to use the names of the members of the Democratic Party who are ruthlessly anti-Semitic. But what's happening is you've got uh, Democrats who were very upset about the white nationalists in Charlottesville really open to anti-Semitism and excusing it. And by the way, the white nationalists who marched in Charlottesville that they were all outraged by agree with these um, this Muslim member of Congress from Minnesota and others about the Jews. They, the white nationalists and these guys, they, they all hate the Jews. Uh, and it's, it's really, really shocking. Let, let, me, let me explain to you what you have never encountered if you've lived in this country, if you've grown up in this country, if you, if you never went to school abroad. I grew up in Dubai. And I went, uh, Dubai was very Western. It was the freest of all the Islamic countries in the Middle East. I went to a Western school. It was a highly advanced American school. In fact, I the, the biology textbook that we had in eighth grade, I used in college at Mercer University. That, that's how advanced it was. It was a, a very in-depth uh, school, very challenging, uh, more challenging than, than really anything I had academically until I got to law school. And one of the classes that we took was geography. And this is a school of of bright and gifted people from around the world. I went to school with people from China, from Sweden, from Australia, from Canada, from Lebanon, from Kuwait, uh, from the United Arab Emirates, from Africa, from South America, uh, all over the world. And I will never forget my ninth grade class. There were 26 of us in ninth grade, and that was the senior class. And what you did is is you trotted out a map of the Eastern Hemisphere, and, and the person who was designated as your class president, this is their only role the entire year, is they threw a dart on the on the map, and wherever it landed, that's where you went on your senior class trip in ninth, in ninth grade, no less. And our class president, uh, the dart landed in the Aegean Sea. And so we went through Turkey, the Greek islands, and Greece. 
Uh, it was a wonderful trip, and I'll never forget. We were in the Agora in Athens. That's the, the ancient market in Athens beneath the, the Acropolis. And all the flags of the world were on display. And, and Greg von Spreken, who is our history teacher and also kind of the class sponsor, he pointed up to one of the flags. He said, does anybody know what this flag is? It was a white flag, and it had blue bars, and it had a blue star in the center. We were in National Junior Honor Societies, super advanced students. None of us knew what that flag was. White flag with two blue bars and a white star. None of us knew. That was the Israeli flag. And the reason we didn't know it was the Israeli flag is because it had been torn out of all of our textbooks or redacted, covered over in black Sharpie. In fact, on none of the maps in our school well, did you ever see the word Israel. It was either scribbled over, the country blacked out on the map, or they had taped over it, Palestine. You didn't see Israel. In the history books, we never learned about the Holocaust. I did not know that the Holocaust existed until I was in upper high school in the United States and moved home. Had never heard of the Holocaust. Didn't know what it was because you weren't allowed to learn about it there. This was Dubai, the freest of, of, the, of the Muslim countries. Couldn't learn about the Holocaust. We're allowed to learn about the Holocaust. I, I, I seem to remember one of my history teachers, Mr. Lake, he touched on it briefly, I, I seem to recall, but what really allowed to teach about it, it was blacked out, literally black marker lines redacting in the history textbook that talked about the Holocaust. In other history textbooks, sections on the Six-Day War, on Israel, it was all taken out. You go to the library, you, you open the Encyclopedia Britannica or, or the World Book Encyclopedia, look under the eyes, you'll find pages missing. Open an almanac, you'll find redactions. Israel did not exist in an American school in Dubai. Didn't exist. By the time we were in ninth grade, we had never learned about the Holocaust. We had never seen the Israeli flag. Did not know it existed on the map. The only way I knew it existed is that I had a Bible. We carried them in on our person in the country, and it had a world map in the back, and I could go see, what is that redacted country in this map? It's Israel. What is Israel? My parents could tell me. That's it. You don't experience that in this country. If you've grown up here, you don't know about that level of anti-Semitism. You don't know there are entire countries in this world that have blotted Israel out of the books. Israel does not exist in those countries. You don't talk about those countries. And we have here now in this country, within the Democratic Party in particular, but also some on the right. Let, let's not say this is this is just a Democratic issue. It's a bipartisan issue. Uh, both sides are struggling with it, but the Democrats are much more open about it and, and much more uh, willing to excuse it. you got a bunch of people who want to wipe Israel off the map. You had a CNN pundit who talked about a... Um, uh, a, a, a Palestine from from sea to, to river or whatever, from river to sea, which is a way of saying all of Israel that goes from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, it, it would be Palestine. These are people who have gotten very good about subtly making suggestions that say they don't actually support even the existence of Israel, and you got members of Congress now doing it. This is not a good thing. Here's the thing that history teaches us. History shows us time and time again that the enemies of Israel wind up being the enemies of freedom. 
All the people who are willing to wipe Israel off the map, they'd wipe you off the map as well. And now we've got some members of Congress who are perfectly okay with the idea of wiping Israel off the map. This really is just an amazing turn of events that Democrats are having to do this. They condemn Steve King. And and here's the thing. Can you imagine if anyone out there, if anybody out there was willing to say, you know, Steve King has a point about the white nationalists because Steve King was praising the white nationalists. No one would say that. No, No, everyone would be condemned for saying that. But yet, Left-wing publications are coming out today and, and, and saying that uh, that congresswoman from Minnesota, that she has a point. She has a point. She's accusing people of dual loyalty. You got Geraldo Rivera, uh, the idiot uh, who, who opens empty safes on, on Fox. Dude, it's just he's an idiot. And he's on social media saying he's a Zionist, but he supports the right of Palestine to exist. Let me give everybody just a very brief history lesson here. Do you know where the word Palestine comes from? Palestine is not a country that has ever existed. In 70 AD, uh, the Roman general Titus, uh, who would become Emperor Titus, destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. But the Jews were allowed to remain in the area that had by then become known as Judea. From the house of Judah. Well, fast forward to 132 AD. There had been an ongoing series of revolts, largely over the temple, Roman centurions and legions in the temple area, polluting it and whatnot, uh, the destroyed temple area, I might add. And Emperor Hadrian built the wall between England and Scotland. He had had enough. And so the Emperor Hadrian marched his troops over to the Holy Lands and wiped out the Jews raised their villages, tore down their homes, finished uh, wiping out the foundation of the of the temple in Jerusalem, and forbid Jews from living in the Judean area of the former kingdom of Israel. Forbid them from doing it. And to mock them, he gave the land a new name. And his new name that he gave the land was Palestine. And he gave that, that, that land and that title because who did King David kill when he was a boy? Killed Goliath. And who was Goliath? Goliath was a Philistine. And the Roman emperor wanted to mock the tribes of Israel by renaming their territory, Palestine, as a... As a um, as a tie back to the Philistines. The Philistines, they never had a complete country. Uh, Israel had a kingdom. The kingdom was eventually taken over by by the Babylonians and the Persians. Uh, it was restored by the Persians. Uh, Alexander the Great took it over. Then the Romans took it over, and the Emperor Hadrian wiped it off the map. They were no longer allowed to call it Israel. They were no longer allowed to call it Judea. They had to call it Palestine, tying it back to the Philistines who David had slayed Goliath and rose to his kingdom. It was an insult. It was a reminder that the Israel, the tribes of Israel who had taken the land and built a kingdom and an empire were no more, wiped off the globe by the Emperor Hadrian. So when you support 
Palestine, particularly when you support the idea of Palestine being from river to sea, what you are calling for is the annihilation of the Jewish land. That don't don't dance around it. That that's actually what you're you're talking about. It goes back to Emperor Hadrian wiping out the kingdom, tearing down the homes, and banishing the Jews, and saying they can never come back. That's what Palestine is. That's where the word comes from. And for all of these people to dance around it and say this isn't anti-Semitism, uh, to claim dual loyalty of Jewish Americans or even Americans who support Israel, that somehow you're at dual loyalty or you're bought off by the Jews. These are the slurs that were raised by Hitler. These are the slurs that were raised by the Ottomans. These are the slurs that were raised uh, by the Muslims early in the Holy Land. These are the slurs that are raised today on TV in Iran. These are the slurs raised by the, the medieval Christians who persecuted Jews. These are the slurs raised by the Emperor Hadrian. These are the slurs raised by the Democratic Party of the United States of America in 2019. And that should deeply disturb you. Again, the people who say these sorts of things are never friends of freedom. And they're running the Democratic Party right now. You should consider that. So just a quick pause here, word for our sponsors. Uh, and you know, this one, real world situation, I woke up Saturday morning and I had a bunch of text messages from Twitter, someone trying to change my password. Now, they all uh, connect me through my cell phone and uh, using two-factor authentication. But man, uh, you got to worry about cyber crimes these days and people trying to steal your passwords, your credit card details. A buddy of mine went to China a while back and needed a VPN service because the Chinese are really, really snoopy. And he used ExpressVPN. And, you know, you can protect yourself from cyber criminals and Chinese snoops by using ExpressVPN. It secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data. It hides your public IP address. It's got easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes a click. And it's for less than $7 a month that you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have recommended to so many people. It's the rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So protect yourself online today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S. SVPN.com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. And remember, my name is E-R-I-C-K. Go to expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. Happy anniversary to State Representative Michael Caldwell. I just saw that on Instagram. Looking forward to having him in the State Senate. Uh, we got to get into the State Senate when we come back. A real betrayal of uh, parents who have disabled kids today, real betrayal of free markets, real betrayal of school reform by Republicans in the Senate. We'll name and shame them. We'll take your phone calls as well, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Real quick, though, i uh, got to give you this from Rand Paul. I will vote uh, for the motion to disapprove of this, and I will continue to speak out. I do believe that there is uh, at least 10 Republican no votes. We'll see possibly more. My reason for speaking out now is that I think we all need to think this through before we get too far down the road. I am hearing that people are going to be really surprised by the coalition of Republicans who come out against the president's emergency declaration. There will be a number of, of strong conservatives from the, from the U.S. Senate 
who stand against the president's emergency declaration, all of them saying this is a crisis, uh, that there is a problem, but that it does not meet an emergency declaration under the statute, and they are not going to vote for it. Uh, the president is, I don't think the Republicans are going to get to two thirds in the Senate. They're going to come close though. The president is going to have to veto this and he's going to have to veto it uh, with a lot of Republicans saying this is an emergency. By the way, here's the interesting thing. Thomas Massey from Kentucky pointed out today. Now, for those of you who are mad at Rand Paul and the others, listen to this, listen to this. Uh, Thomas Massey saying today the president's going to sign the omnibus spending bill which is going to defund his emergency declaration, but the president says he's going to sign it. Think about that. When we come back, though, Republicans in the state Senate betraying school reform in Georgia. I love cake. Not just actual cake, but the band cake. That's these people. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. To the phones we go. Greg from Newburn, you are first. Welcome. Well, if I can, let's see. There you go, Greg. Welcome. How Thanks are you? For, all right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I was uh, just saying, may this country continue to support Israel. I want to know, how come uh, Chucky Schumer and... Uh, Diane Feinstein, they're both Jewish. How come they're not speaking out against this idiot from Minnesota? That's all I want to say. Well, you know, Greg, as a matter of fact, uh, Schumer has come out and uh, condemned it, as have a number of Democrats in the Congress, in, in the House. Uh, Nina, Nina Lowy, Nina Lowry from New York has come out. Uh, Jerry Nadler from New York has come out, uh, several others uh, strongly condemning it. In fact, the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee on which uh, this one particular anti-Semite serves, the chairman has said he doesn't want her on the committee anymore and wants Nancy Pelosi to remove her. So even some of the, the old school Democrats said, but that's the thing here. It's the old school Democrats, the, 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 the geriatric Democrats uh, who got elected when Kennedy was president, who've hung around all this time. They're the ones who are upset about it. It, it. The young ones, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Chairman Mu, she's totally okay with it. In fact, she says that uh, this can't be condemned until we condemn the anti-Latina comments as well. Uh, the whole go back to Puerto Rico thing, which which was all about uh, fundraising. They were down in Puerto Rico fundraising. Had nothing to do with being a racist comment, but of course she's decided today that it is. Uh, excuses and whataboutism to avoid having to deal with the anti-Semitism of the Democrats in the House. Now, we need to move on to state legislative issues. Uh, this is a this is a big issue, and I need to explain it to you. I need to walk you through it, and I need to give you some names. If you know some of these, some of these live outside the listening area. If you know anybody in Valdosta, have them tell Ellis Black, shame on him for opposing Senate Bill 173. Mike Dugan from Carrollton uh, had an excused absence today. He had some city hall business, they say. He's the Senate Majority Leader. By the way, can I I got a pause here. Mike Dugan, uh, he, he deserves some applause here. Uh, he's the Senate Republican Leader. And we had a bunch of people send soccer balls to Mike Dugan as a way to protest Republicans in the Senate going wobbly on the Equal Rights Amendment. 
And not only did Dugan help kill the Equal Rights Amendment, but he got 50-some-odd soccer balls from people, and he donated them to a local youth program. So uh, just real applause for Mike Dugan. Any of you in the legislature who are listening here today, uh, tell Dugan he gets multiple thumbs up from me and my listeners. That was just a commendable thing for him to do, and also message received by the Senate Republicans. Um, So kudos to Mike Dugan. And I'm also, note I'm saying Dugan, not Duggan, as I've done in the past. I was corrected by a senator who said it's Dugan. So Mike Dugan, Mike Dugan uh, did not show up to vote for Senate Bill 173 today. Ellis Black from Valdosta did not vote for it. Um, he voted against it, Ellis Black did. Tyler Harper from Osceola voted against Senate Bill 173. Jack Hill from Reedsville voted against it. Greg Kirk from Americas voted against it. Butch Miller from Gainesville voted against it. Uh, Lindsay Tippins from Marietta voted against it. Brandon Beach, uh, took a walk, didn't vote for it, uh, didn't vote against it. And Jeff Mullis, uh, from Chickamauga was not there to vote for Brandon Beach came up with an excuse to avoid having to take a position on it. Apparently what is Senate bill 173? Well, I'll tell you, uh, Greg Dozal from Forsyth County offered up this legislation. It would create education scholarship accounts. If you have a child in a public school in Georgia, the state gives the public school where your child goes money of a defined allotment per child. And if your child packs up and moves to a different school, that money goes with the child. What Greg Dozol is saying in his legislation, what he wants to do in this legislation is he wants to allow parents to take that money and apply it to a, put it in a savings account, a scholarship account, he's calling it, and use that money to pay for private or alternative schooling. If you have a child who has been repeatedly bullied in the public school and it's documented, or the child has serious physical or mental impairment, and the family lives below the poverty line, or the child has come from foster care, from the foster program, and has issues having, dealing with having been in foster care, there are only a few thousand people who would participate in this program, only a few thousand. The Democrats are livid at this program because they view it as undermining public education. Y'all, I've got friends with kids who have severe disabilities and they have to have their kids in public schools, even though there are schools they could send them to that would do much better for their kids. Those schools would do a much better job of training the kids to work through the disability so that they are not on the state dime as, as a, a disabled grown-up that the state is having to care for. All the parents need is the money to get them into these programs. And they don't have the money. And so their kids are going to public schools. They're in uh, special ed programs in public schools, and they're failing. The schools are failing. The programs are failing. These parents, they could use the scholarship fund, and long-term it pays for itself. Democrats are saying it's going to cost too much, but long-term you have someone with special needs who at some point their parents are going to be dead and someone's going to have to take care of them. And seven out of 10 times it's the state, not not relatives who take care of these people. You can get them into programs now as children And help them, in many cases, learn how to deal with their blindness, learn how to deal with their deafness, learn how to deal with their autism, learn how to deal with their their disability, so that they can be working adults when they grow up. And 
Republicans killed this legislation. This wasn't the Democrats. The Democrats did not kill this legislation. This legislation was killed by Lindsey Tippins, Brandon Beach, Ellis Black, Tyler Harper, Jack Hill, Greg Kirk, and Butch Miller. And Mike Dugan wasn't there and Jeff Mullis wasn't there to help give the votes. And, and I'm adding Brandon Beach. He didn't vote for it, but he came up with a lame excuse. I think his wife works for some school and he decided it was a conflict of interest. He could have voted for it, but he didn't want to. This fails Georgians who have kids with disabilities. This fails free market school reform. This fails suburban voters where this sort of program is deeply popular. They are more interested in the public school lobby. It is really disappointing that Republicans can't pass legislation like this to help families need. We're not talking about breaking the bank. We're talking about a few thousand people statewide, and they couldn't even find it in their heart to do that. Consider that. Now, the Senate is going to reconsider this legislation on Thursday. So we've got between now and Thursday to build pressure to support these education scholarship accounts. You can go on the state Senate, if you have questions, go on the state Senate's website. You can look for it. It's Senate Bill 173. Let me just give you, again, these are the parameters of people who uh, could use this program. It is the student is from a family below 200% of the federal poverty level, has been adopted from foster care, has a parent in active duty military service stationed in Georgia within the past year, or has one of these disabilities and has an individualized education program written in accordance with federal and state law. They have autism, they're deaf or blind, they're deaf or hard of hearing, have emotional or behavioral disorder, they have an intellectual disability, an orthopedic impairment, or a specific learning disability or a speech-language impairment or traumatic brain injury, or a documented case of having been bullied and is currently enrolled in a public school. These are the kids. The parents have to do certain things. They have to sign an agreement promising to provide education for the student in uh, at least reading, grammar, mathematics, social studies, and science. They, they can't enroll the student in a local school system school, local charter school, or local or state charter school while participating in the program. And they got to use the funds only for the qualified educational expenses. Um, this is a good program. It only applies to a few thousand people. The Democrats are trying to make it a cost issue. There's, there's no cost issue here. The numbers have been run. All that's doing is the money that flows to the student anyway is, is, would go into these accounts. It's not like they're pulling money from elsewhere. This money's already following the kid around the public school system. And now they're just going to let the parents use the money and ensure their kid gets the best education, taking into account their difficulty, their impairment, their disability. And it's these Republicans in the state Senate who failed these kids, failed these parents. Republicans in the state legislature, they say all the time that they're scared of losing the suburbs in 2020. It's stuff like this that's going to cause them to lose the suburbs. I mean, suburban moms will understand when the victims who can't get justice because of David Ralston appear in ads and say they can't get justice because the Republicans are protecting David Ralston, and suburban moms are going to understand when the mom of the, of the child adopted from foster care who has autism is on camera saying, I could have gotten my kid a better education that got him out of the classrooms of your kids where he's being a disruptive influence, but the state Republicans denied me that right. 
they can make this a campaign issue. They will make this a campaign issue. Now, the Democrats oppose the bill. The Democrats don't want to do this. The Democrats don't support it. But have you ever known the Democrats being afraid to actually use issues like this against Republicans? This is hypocrisy at its finest. And you need to get involved. This is an injustice. And you have the opportunity to fix it by telling your state senators that they need to get on board. When we come back, I'll give you the names again. Lindsey Tippin, Ellis Black, Tyler Harper, Jack Hill, Greg Kirk, and Butch Miller. They're the Republicans who oppose Senate Bill 173. Then Brandon Beach, Mike Dugan, and Jeff Mullis uh, did not vote on it. Uh, it'll be up for reconsideration on Thursday. There's time to persuade some of these guys. Let's go to the phones. Chris in Buford, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. So the reason that the, there's so much opposition to this as far as pulling money out of the schools is because the kids are being served by these uh, – dollar amounts that come from the state uh, for the funding for special education to the school system are being underserved uh, compared to the dollars that are being sent to them. So there's a there's a surplus of money, and if you take that, the money out, it will be fully used in the private sector, where it's being underused in the public sector. So therefore, that's the where you're getting all the hesitation from, from the other side, is they know there's big dollars in special ed, but, but the dollars aren't being used in the public school system for the right things are being used for other for who knows what else. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. They take the money that comes in for special ed and, and they apply it to administrative costs and whatnot. And if the parents are allowed to go somewhere where their kids can get better help, well, suddenly uh, you see that the money can be spent more efficiently and it makes the existing programs look bad. So they, they can't let this happen uh, so that people see that there there's more efficiency in the system than they're letting on. It, it's actually kind of sad. Uh, kids being held hostage in Republicans... Uh, allowing them to do it. By the way, um, I, in the next hour, I, I I do want to talk about Captain Marvel for just a minute. It's coming out and getting terrible reviews, and now naturally they're saying that if you hate the movie, you're a misogynist, even though some of the reviews are coming from women. Uh, but uh, before we do, there's an unbelievable story in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, a tag team effort with WSB-TV. Governor Nathan Deal, before he left office, he re-signed contracts with some state employees, uh, giving them tenure in office that will extend beyond Brian Kemp, denying Brian Kemp, for example, the the ability to put someone in charge of the lottery, to put someone in charge of the Ports Authority, to put someone in charge of, of DOT, things like that. Uh, and if Brian Kemp decides to do it, uh, there will be penalties to taxpayers, millions of dollars. This is corruption, can we just call it that? Uh, no one knew this happened. It did not get approved by the state legislature, these contracts, uh, and, and deal like these people. And now he says, well, we, we got to do it to hire the best people. It's not what you do in, in state government. Everyone knows that you, you're in state government for a while, and then you hop out into the private sector. You can make more money there. And this is this is outrageous. It, it is. Remember, Nathan Deal also tried to put a bunch of people back on boards before he left office, and that got crushed by Jeff Duncan, the lieutenant governor. This is just cronyism and corruption, uh, and I hope that the legislature can find a way and the governor can find a way to undo this. It's just not right to do this to your successor in office, but what did Nathan Deal care? Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750, 
WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to circle back to what I was talking about at the end of the last hour because I know there are a lot of people who join now and this really is that important of an issue to devote the time to this. Republicans in the Georgia State Senate uh, really, really, really betrayed uh, poor parents of disabled kids today. And you you do need to understand this legislation and you do need to understand what happened. Uh, It is, it's disheartening. The legislation is Senate Bill 173. It was authored by Greg Dozal, a freshman member of the Senate, uh, to create educational scholarship accounts. Now, As I said in the last hour, what the Educational Scholarship Accounts did is, you know, every child in the state of Georgia is given money by the state of Georgia. Now, they don't actually see the physical dollars. That money goes to the public school where they're going. So if you have have a child, say you have a child, uh, we'll call him Gunner, and Gunner goes to a public school in Alpharetta, and uh, Gunner's going to public school in Alpharetta, and Gunner's family moves to Roswell, and so Gunner moves schools. Well, the money the state gives to Gunner goes from the Alpharetta school now to the Roswell school. And then if Gunner's family moves to Macon or Columbus or Valdosta or Augusta or, or wherever, the money follows Gunner. So the local school district never gets the money per se. The money's allocated to Gunner, the child. And when the child moves to a different city, the money goes with the child. So what Greg Dozal did is he came up with a a solution for poor parents who have kids with disabilities. Let me read you the um, let me read you the list of people who could apply for this educational scholarship account. Um, it is a student. The family has income below two hundred percent of the federal poverty level, uh, who goes to a public school or has been uh, adopted from foster care, or has a parent who is active duty military service stationed in Georgia within the past year, or has one of these disabilities, um, autism, deafness, blindness, uh, emotional behavior disorder, intellectual disability, orthopedic impairment, or other physical or learning or visual disability, or a documented case of having sustained bullying in the current school. That, that, that is the case. Uh, the, the sum total of the number of people who would be eligible for this are only a few thousand statewide. And what this educational scholarship account would do would be to allow the parents of these kids to get the money that the state flows through that follows the student and put it into an educational savings account so that child can then go to a different school. And the parents would have the money for it. So if there is a school that does a better job of dealing with autism, the child would be able to go to the school for the autistic or the school for the blind or the school for the deaf. Or, you know, in a lot of cases, kids who are in foster care in the state have been in traumatic situations and they've been bullied and they could use a smaller setting. And this money would allow them to go to a different setting. This helps poor families. It helps kids in need. It is a perfect opportunity 
to give some educational flexibility in the state. And again, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I know I talked about this last hour, but it's important for the people who are coming in and, and for you all to, to just digest and absorb what the Senate Republicans have done today. Uh, they've killed this legislation. Now, they're going to do a motion to reconsider tomorrow. You, you need to know who all is involved in this and, and who voted no. Uh, Ellis Black from Valdosta, Republican, voted no. Mike Dugan, the Senate Majority Leader from Carrollton, he actually didn't show up today to, to vote on this. Uh, says it was excused absence. Some of these leaders walk. I don't think he did. I'm told he actually had a legit reason uh, to not be there. But Mike Dugan was not there, did not vote. Uh, Tyler Harper from Osceola voted no. Jack Hill from Reedsville voted no. Greg Kirk from Americas voted no. Butch Miller from Gainesville voted no. Jeff Mullis from Chickamauga, he wasn't there to vote for it. Lindsey Tippins from Marietta, was uh, he voted against it. That's Clay Tippins' uh, uncle, I guess. Uh, and Brandon Beach from Alpharetta, he, he was not there to vote for it. They're going to have a motion tomorrow to, to do this. I, I do not have a, a call to action set up, um, and I, I guess I need one. Um, but if, if you know these people, you need to let them know uh, that they they need to vote for this. They need to vote for this. This is this will play well in the suburbs. That's what they're scared about. That's why they wanted to do the Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, th- this is a big issue. This is an issue you should all care about. Helping special needs kids from very poor families be able to have access to a better education. Because uh, if you can give them a better education, guess what? Uh, Long term, they're going to do better in life. Uh, let's help these kids get these senators involved. Okay, that list again. Uh, Lindsey Tippins from Marietta, Brandon Beach from Alpharetta, uh, Jeff Mullis from Chickamauga, Butch Miller from Gainesville, Greg Kirk from Americas, Jack Hill from Reedsville, Tyler Harper from Osceola, Mike Dugan from Carrollton, and Ellis Black from Valdosta. I hope the Senate Majority Leader uh, appreciates uh, my proper pronunciation of his name. <laughs> I was saying Duggan. Dugan. Uh, and, and, you know, just, uh, commend him again for, uh, just ha- having some grace and humor about all the soccer balls you people sent him and donating them. That was well, well played by him. Can, can we talk for just a moment about, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, if you'll allow. So Captain Marvel comes out. It's the only movie showing at theaters this weekend. Uh, now, not really, but Marvel has apparently paid some money so that theaters only show that Captain Marvel is lifting uh, around the country, the, getting a lot of buzz, helping them get a lot of buzz that way. Um, the movie is getting terrible reviews from reviewers who should like it uh, because it's a feminist superhero who's been out there on on the movie promotion circuit, uh, blasting men. Uh, for example, at one point, uh, a, a critic asked her a question. She said she didn't need to know uh, what men wanted to think. She wanted to know what women of color thought about her movie. She's white. Uh, apparently, I, I think this is becoming a new PR trend in Hollywood. The movie's getting terrible reviews. Now, interestingly enough, I did go on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like a 77% favorable rating. But when you look, all the reviews are terrible. So I don't know where it's getting this 77% positive rating when all of the actual reviews are pretty awful for the movie. Now, I'm still going to go see it. Uh, I'll see for myself how bad it is. The the reviewers aren't going to dissuade me. But I'm noticing go back to Ghostbusters, the remake, the all-female remake, and uh, critics were assailing this movie as being terrible, and it was kind of a PR stunt. The producers, the actresses involved accused everyone of sexism and misogyny, and that's why you hate the movie, demanding that that real people who cared and feminists, that they, they really go see this movie. And, well, it 
turns out nobody did like the movie. It was terrible. But it, it's become a PR stunt in Hollywood when a movie comes out that features a woman and it turns out to be bad. Say, oh, it's just the misogynist. It's it's the woman haters who hate this movie. Um, it's very clever the way they're going to get people to see the movie, but I don't think it'll work. The movie's getting bad reviews. I'm still going to go see it. I'll go see it, make sure it's safe for the kids to go see and take them to see it again, I guess. Even if it stinks, they want to see it. But still, it's kind of predictable now that Hollywood does this. So just a quick pause here, word for our sponsors. Uh, And you know, this one, real world situation, I woke up Saturday morning and I had a bunch of text messages from Twitter, someone trying to change my password. Now, they all uh, connect me through my cell phone and using two-factor authentication. But man, uh, you got to worry about cyber crimes these days and people trying to steal your passwords, your credit card details. A buddy of mine went to China a while back and needed a VPN service because the Chinese are really, really snoopy. And he used ExpressVPN. And, you know, you can protect yourself from cyber criminals and Chinese snoops by using ExpressVPN. It secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data. It hides your public IP address. It's got easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes a click. And it's for less than $7 a month that you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have recommended to so many people. It's the rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So protect yourself online today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S svpn.com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. And remember, my name is E-R-I-C-K. Go to expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. Welcome back. Eric Erickson here, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Will Smith is getting all sorts of Chris. Okay, first of all, this isn't the Hollywood episode tonight, but there actually is just crazy news out there. Um, Will Smith, have you seen the the Aladdin movie where he's now the genie? I, I don't know why they wanted to make a live action one of these, but what the heck? Well, when I saw this, this headline, um, I, I thought this was about Aladdin and then... Re- Realized it can't be. A headline from the New York Post, Twitter critics, Will Smith's skin is too light for this biopic. Oh, my goodness gracious. So, uh, Will Smith is facing backlash after um, being cast as Richard Williams. Richard Williams, uh, in a movie called King Richard, it's a biopic. If you don't know who Richard Williams is, he is Venus and Serena Williams' dad the tennis players. And there are people on uh, Twitter upset about this. Uh, One person said Will Smith is about to be the Scarlett Johansson of black movies. Wow. Um, She, of course, got criticized for playing the lead character in Ghost in the Shell. Not a very good movie, by the way, Uh, which uh, originally had a um, Asian character in the anime. It was an anime movie. Yes. Um, Oh, mercy. Um, Can can we just... uh, Oh, here's another one. Uh, Clarence Hill Jr., Colorism Matters. Uh, Love Will Smith, but there are other black actors for this role. So you've hired a black... Can you imagine if they put a white guy in? (laughs) So this guy, 
Um, this is a um, a, a Cowboys, a, a sports writer for the Star-Telegram, Clarence Hill Jr., um, that, that says colorism matters. Um, yeah, this is nuts. They've hired a black guy, and the criticism now is that you're not black enough. Y'all, isn't this racism? Isn't this racism? You're, you're judging Will Smith by the color of his skin and determining that he's not black enough? This is what we've come to. Um, I, I have to tell you that I think this is actually a, a bad trend, not, not the, not the racism trend. Uh, that's bad. Don't get me wrong. That's bad. But what I'm talking about is this New York post story picks out two or three critical people on Twitter and it's become a national news story. I'm talking about it on radio and I wouldn't be talking about it on radio except it's in the New York post and it's all over social media now. And why? Yeah, this is this is what the media has become. Let's pick two or three outraged people on Twitter and build a story about it. That's not healthy for any of us. That's not healthy for society. And yet that's what we're doing as a society. Maybe these reporters and media outlets doing this, maybe they need to stop. And, and you know, it's fair point to say, well, you're talking about it. You should give an exposure. Yep, totally right. Uh, but I'm here to tell you about all the things that are buzzing around the internet and political ecosphere today. And this is one of them people circulating this story and it's worth ridiculing how reporters are gotten. So have gotten so lazy. They're picking out two or three tweets and building stories off of them as if a bunch of people say this stuff. Nope. Three idiots on Twitter said it. Sheila Jackson Lee is uh, Sheila Jackson Lee. She's the Congresswoman from Texas. She's the one who, when we landed on Mars, so NASA invited her to, uh, to their facility in Houston, which she represents. It's in the, her district. So they invited her to come when the Mars Rover landed on Mars. And I am not making this up. Sheila Jackson Lee is the one who asked them if they could drive the Rover over to see where Neil Armstrong landed in the American flag. I'm not making that up. I was making that up because God help me, this woman's been elected to Congress, but I'm not making it up. She actually did. So she went on MSNBC with Katie Turr. And Katie Turr tried to get her on the impeachment question to, to answer it. Just listen. Um, Jerry Nadler, the, the chairman of your committee, said that this probe is looking into obstruction of justice, public corruption, and abuse of power. When you look at this and you look at everybody that's been called and all of the documents that they're requesting, is this an impeachment hearing in everything but name? And she went on six times to ask that question. And Sheila Jackson Lee would not answer. Now, uh, you're probably wondering, why don't we have the actual audio of Sheila Jackson Lee? Well, because 
all of the clips where she actually made a point, it would take like, that would be the entire show. I would have been here for two hours and all you could have heard is Sheila Jackson Lee mumbling, trying to dodge the question because she would answer it. Six times Katie Turr asks her, is this actually the, the beginnings of impeachment? And six times she could not answer. The Democrats are desperate not to answer that. Meanwhile, you've got the president's lawyer, Ty Cobb, coming out to talk about the Mueller situation, which is interesting. Now, this is the former Trump lawyer. And you listen to what he's saying. There's a method to the madness here. I'll explain after you hear what he says. I don't feel the same way about Mueller. I don't feel the investigation is a witch hunt. A lot of things, you know, distracted him from focusing on the president, from Manafort's, you know, decade-old issues to, you know, the Papadopoulos of the world and, you know, the Carter Pages of the world and the Roger Stones of the world. So it's not my view that that it's a witch hunt. I think Bob Mueller is an American hero. I think Bob Mueller is a guy that, um, you know, even though he came from an arguably privileged background, you know, has a backbone of steel. Uh, he walked into a firefight in Vietnam to pull out one of his injured colleagues and was appropriately honored for that. I've known him for 30 years as a prosecutor and a friend, and um, I think the I think the world of Bob Mueller. There's a reason Ty Cobb is doing this and why you're starting to see uh, other Republicans say these things. Here's Sean Spicer uh, on Fox earlier today. I've read the the reports in the news that I'm on that list. Uh, Look, I I have a look. Elections have consequences. Yeah, stop, 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 stop. stop. So the list he's talking about, this is the House Judiciary Committee list of people who are asked to provide information about possible obstruction. In the House of Representatives, they have uh, an oversight responsibility that I respect. Uh, the only point that I would make on this is fat, that's kind of interesting is it started off with the House Intelligence Committee f- focusing on, on Russia and collusion. They came out of the report that said that there wasn't any. Democrats said that it was a one-sided uh, debate and that we needed to look to the Senate. The Senate came out and actually and, and confirm that there was no collusion. Now we've got the Mueller report going on. And what the Democrats are starting to realize is that from, from all the tea leaves that we've seen, that while some people did some bad things, that there were some people that clearly interfered with the last election, that there was no collusion. And so they've started to move on and go on what appears to be uh, at least a potential fishing expedition, kind of going through the president's finances and personal relationships and et cetera. Now, That's exactly what's happening. Sean is right here. The Republicans are now elevating Mueller because they're gambling that Mueller is not going to find anything about the president. The Democrats have been elevating Mueller for the past two years, and they're now trying to walk it back as quickly as they can because they, too, think that Mueller is not going to find anything against the president. And that's why the Democrats are doing this investigation. So it's interesting to see Ty Cobb come out, Sean Spicer come out, and now other Republicans praising Bob Mueller as a statesman, as a thorough investigator, uh, so that they can cast doubt on the Democrats' witch hunt against the president. They're the Democrats. They're the ones engaged in the witch hunt. Bob Mueller never was which makes it even more funny when you consider the president's reaction to Mueller for the last year. Here's what we're going to do because, well, no, 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 I I got, I got time to do it. We'll just make the next segment short. This is Alison Camerata. She, she had a focus group panel on CNN with a bunch of undecided democratic voters. Listen to the reaction over Biden. How many of you would like to see Joe Biden get in? Show of hands. (laughs) Not really many. What's happening, Russell? (laughs) His time is done. I'll be honest. I used to think like, you know, because obviously he was riding like kind of the Obama wave, and I thought he was the, I thought he was the person that would unite the party. But to be honest, you know, 
Senator Biden really comes from the kind of the good old boy politics right. of the past. I don't think Joe Biden represents that new thing that we need. Mm -hmm. We just we need a new economy. We need a new yeah. politics and That's we need someone different. <laughs> this is Joe Biden, the vice president for Barack Obama. The Democrats are rejecting him. They're rejecting Joe Biden because he's not progressive enough. You know, Cynthia Nixon, the, the woman from Sex and the City, the lesbian who ran against Andrew Cuomo in New York as an attack uh, editorial blasting Christians, saying that it is acceptable to not be nice to those people and blasting Joe Biden for being nice to Orthodox Christians. Uh, for their bigotry. Uh, the Democrats are, uh, they're going all in on this. Uh, a liberal like Joe Biden isn't liberal enough. And here's the problem. Poll after poll after poll after poll after poll, including the big NBC Wall Street Journal poll, shows that people who lean Democrat actually want a moderate. But the people who actually vote in Democratic primaries want a progressive. And then there's the other thing, is that some of the people who say they want a moderate they want a socialist. They just want a socialist light. And that is going to really scare a lot of Americans. But don't get overconfident on this issue. So a couple of things for you guys. Um, I have invited, formally invited, Nikki Haley and Mike Pence to the Resurgent Gathering. It's going to be here in Atlanta. It's going to be August 1st uh, to the 4th. Really, the, the two big days are the 2nd and the 3rd. Uh, David Perdue will be there. Brian Kemp will be there. Grover Norquist from American Conservative Union is going to be there. Um, and then he, I've invited Mike Pence. I've invited Nikki Haley. Uh, they are not confirmed. They're not confirmed. Um, but I'm hoping they'll be able to get there, as well as Senators Tom Cotton and... Uh, Tim Scott, Marco Rubio. I've invited Mike Lee, who can't come because it's a always his family reunion weekend. Uh, and then Jody Heiss. I've invited Mark Meadows from the House Freedom Caucus, Chip Roy from the House Freedom Caucus, Jim Jordan from the House Freedom Caucus, trying to get them down as well. I uh, hope to see you there. I'm going to try to work the broadcast so that we can do some of it from there as well. It'll be at the Grand Hyde in Buckhead. Uh, the price is about to go up. It's $99 right now per person. If you want to come, though, text the word Atlanta to 345345. I will send you back the reservation link because I got to tell you, once the vice president locks it on his calendar, I'm jacking the price up. Uh, but it's about to go up anyway. Uh, so if you want to get in early, get in on the ground floor, uh, text Atlanta to 345345. And don't forget, uh, if, you, if you know any of these members of the state Senate, to tell them they need to support the uh, education savings uh, account bill. Uh, Ellis Black, Mike Dugan, Tyler Harper, Jack Hill, Greg Kirk, Butch Miller, Jeff Bullis, Lindsey Tippins, and Brandon Beach. Tell them uh, to support the motion to reconsider and to pass this legislation. I will bring you guys an update tomorrow. <laughs>